0: You got cooking how about cooking something up with me let's
1: stir it up boys
0: welcome to the boyd seafood outdoor cooking show a weekly excursion into the fine art of preparing the world's most popular recipes under an open sky and an open flame boyd's one stop is located at the base of the texas city dike Now, here's the old
2: grill sergeant, Randy Hayes. Welcome to another edition of the show that asks the question, if I have to open a box and add water, does that make it homemade? (laughs) I mean, what do I know? Heck, I'm such a lousy cook, I can't even boil toast, you know? As a matter of fact, I've repeatedly admitted to you that I'm not an expert cook. But I've also stated, I think that makes me the perfect host for the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show, because I'm not afraid to ask the stupid questions that all the rest of you are too embarrassed to admit you don't know the answers to. Now, that isn't exactly the purpose of today's show, but we'll get to that later on. I wanted to spend most of our alone time together telling you a great story from this past week that I think you'll enjoy. I have loved working with kids, well, ever since my kids were kids. I coached my son in baseball, basketball, and football, and I coached my daughter's early basketball teams, at least until she played in middle school and high school. But when I was no longer good enough to coach either one of them competently when they got older and played at higher levels, I stepped back and let the professional coaches take over, but I did have a blast while it lasted. My son has taken that family tradition to a whole new level. He coaches his son, my grandson Liam, in select baseball. And Derek does a much better job than I ever did. But I've also worked with teenagers at church for decades. When my kids were teens, we had a schism in the church that broke along the lines between the youth minister and the senior leadership— and we wound up without a large number of youth Bible study teachers for a short period of time. So the minister of education approached me and he said, I just need you to teach high school Bible study for about three months, and by then I'll recruit somebody else to take your place. I think they teach him this stuff in seminary (laughs) because he never found anybody to take my job, and I've taught ninth grade kids ever since. It's been almost 30 years since that minister talked me into taking the gig, And he hasn't even been on staff at our church for at least 20 of those years. Like I say, I think they teach him this stuff in seminary. But you know, many years before that even happened, a good friend of mine at church once said to me, Randy, with your ability to communicate, you should be teaching the Bible. My memory ain't what it used to be, but I clearly recall my response. It was something like, I'm not a good enough student of the Bible to teach the Bible. She said, if you want to be a good student of the Bible, teach the Bible. I thought that was just some line church people use to convince other people to become Bible teachers, so I just shrugged it off. But when I was pressed into service by that minister a few years later, I soon completely understood exactly what my friend was saying. I had never really paid very close attention to the details of the Bible because I was just listening to somebody else teach it. But when the responsibility for getting the details right fell to me, I suddenly started double-checking myself, you know, to make sure I wasn't teaching something that wasn't factual or accurate. As a direct result, I became a better student of the Bible, because I was a teacher of the Bible, and I very quickly realized that I had found my ministry, teaching the Bible to teenagers, and I've been doing it ever since. All of that is to say, once again, that I love working with kids, little kids or big kids, doesn't matter. So that sets up the story I want to tell you. My grandson Liam is one of the smartest kids I know. And I'm not just saying that because I'm his grandfather. He's a straight-A student. He's a member of the Elementary Honor Society. He's got a mind like a steel trap. Yeah, I know, I know. He didn't get it from his grandfather, no doubt. But the boy is amazingly smart, given the gene pool on my side of the family especially. And one of the ways he has demonstrated his intellect is as a spelling bee whiz. My wife Cindy and I attend all his functions, school and sports. So we've been there for all his spelling bee events in the last few years. But the last one was rather painful, Oh no, Liam performed just fine. He finished in the top ten at his school, but the pronouncer who read out the words for the kids to spell was simply horrid. He mispronounced several words, and on more than one occasion, the student misspelled the word as a result of the way he mispronounced the word. In fact, Liam was eliminated because the pronouncer mumbled his word, and he didn't even know what word the guy was trying to have him spell. Liam's mom and dad were not happy campers. And that's when my son hatched his plan. For me. Derek complained to school officials about the incompetence of this pronouncer, and the administrators agreed with him. But then he took it to another level altogether. He told them that Liam's grandfather, that would be me. Liam's grandfather is an award-winning broadcaster and voiceover artist, and he would be glad to assume the role of pronouncer for the next spelling bee. Now, keep in mind that Derek didn't ask me this in advance. He just offered my services without checking with me first. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't offended at all. In fact, if I'm being perfectly honest, I was rather honored. But what I wasn't prepared for was the amount of work involved. My son had promised the people at the school that I would be much more careful about pronouncing the words correctly, and that didn't sound like a very tall order because these were just third, fourth, and fifth graders, right? But boy, was I wrong. When the teacher who was in charge of the spelling bee gave me the pronouncer's guide, I quickly looked over the words and I decided this is going to be easy. So I didn't really dig very deeply into the process until about three or four days beforehand. Then I started looking more critically, and I realized there were a lot of words that had alternate or secondary pronunciations, like resinous. That's the way I've always pronounced that word, resinous. But the Spelling Bee's official guide told me the preferred pronunciation was resinous. When I ran that version past my wife, She didn't even know what word I was trying to say, and Cindy is a spelling wizard. So I spent at least five minutes trying to decide which pronunciation to use first and which one to use as the alternate, in case one of the students asked for an alternate pronunciation. Another word I'm perfectly familiar with was mean, but this is not M-E-A-N. This is M-I-E-N. And the proper way to say the two words sounds exactly the same. The kicker is the definition is air or bearing, especially as expressive of attitude or personality. Well, that sounds like M-E-A-N to me. How about you? So I told the spelling bee officials, I didn't think that was a fair word to ask a 10-year-old because the two words sound exactly the same and they mean almost exactly the same thing. Luckily, they agreed with me, so we just dropped the word altogether. All of this is to highlight how difficult and time-consuming the preparation was, so I spent almost the entire afternoon the day before looking up correct pronunciations and alternate pronunciations. We're talking hours of time here, but guess how many kids asked me for an alternate pronunciation of their word? Yeah. Zero. Not even one. All that time and work for absolutely nothing. So when the spelling bee started, everything was going great until about the 8th or ninth round, and my grandson Liam stepped up to the mic. He had nailed every word I'd given him in every round, but when I gave him the word plastron, he looked at me funny. He asked me to say the word again, so I said, your word is plastron. I know him like he's my own child, so I could tell he didn't know that word, and sure enough, he spelled it wrong. I did not allow myself to have any reaction at all, even though I was screaming inside, of course, but I had already decided I wasn't going to show any favoritism toward him, no matter what. Afterward, I asked Liam if I'd thrown him off, and he said, no. However, when I asked his dad about the word, Derek said, yeah, I probably mispronounced it as plastron when I was drilling him, so he didn't recognize the word. We double-checked the pronunciation, and I was right. It's pronounced plastron. Liam told his dad that he literally knew every other word I read except that one. So it was just bad luck, and I was absolutely crestfallen. Of course, he's only ten years old. He didn't think twice about it. There's no doubt. It bothered me more than it bothered him. I am so fortunate to have Liam as my grandson. In fact, Cindy and I remark all the time about how truly blessed we are to live only a couple of miles away from our very close-knit little family, and we thank God for that and for each of them every single day. You know, we all have a great deal to be thankful for, and during the holidays, we should be giving back to others who are not as lucky as we are. So today on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show, we're going to give you some ideas for how to do that. It's spelled G-E-N-E-R-O-U-S.
0: If your barbecue's gone up in smoke and your cooking reputation is at stake, stick around. The old grill sergeant will be right back with more ideas and
2: advice to make your next cookout sizzle. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dike. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dike Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas, but they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door with a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media, and my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself, and you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like never, right? Well at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large. and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Seely on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Seeley on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top of the line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, a electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original All Spas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Life is simple.
0: Eat, sleep, grill. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dike. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Haynes.
2: It's been far too long since we had this person on the show. Say hello to Barbara Bronstein, the founder of Second Servings of Houston. Welcome back, Barbara.
3: Hi, Randy. Thanks for inviting me.
2: It's always a pleasure. You know, I say it's been far too long since we had this person on the show rather gratuitously from time to time. But in your case, it is absolutely true. I was looking back. It's been at least two years, maybe more, since we talked to you about Second Servings. And Second Servings is the perfect charity to which our listeners could donate this holiday season because your entire operation is food-centric, after all. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. Since it's been so long since we had you on the show, we have a lot of new listeners, and let's give them the opportunity to know who you are. Where were you born, reared, go to school, things like that?
3: I grew up in New York and went to college up in Boston to Tufts University and went to graduate school in New York, New York University for a graduate degree in MBA and marketing. I started my career with a global giant, Unilever, and moved to Houston to join another global um, corporation, Mars Incorporated. And since that time, I've worked with different industries, uh, including um, food and beverage. But I retired and now I'm in my second career.
2: Well, so how did you become interested in a charity that addresses the issue of food insecurity? Was it a particular incident?
3: Well, uh, yes. Um, I attend a um, luncheon every year, a charity luncheon, a couple of them. And I got tired of seeing Food being wasted from last minute no shows. I came to find out that the food, which was paid for and in the kitchen, was generally getting thrown out. So I made some inquiries and discovered that the rescue of food um, that has been unserved is perfectly legal. And I researched it across the country and discovered that. What it was called food rescue or food recovery was happening all over the country, in fact, all over the world.
2: Well, you have a revealing quote on your website. It says sixteen percent of Houstonians face food insecurity, while nearly forty percent of the available food supply goes to waste. That's a sobering thought. So explain how does almost forty percent of our available food supply go to waste.
3: Well, one of the reasons is the confusing package dates. Ninety percent of Americans, including me at the beginning, throw away food before it's actually unsafe to eat because of those dates. Now, those dates do not indicate food safety, but rather the manufacturer's best guess at peak Quality, Maybe texture, maybe color, maybe flavor, uh-huh. uh, or they're used as guides to shelf rotation for the retailers, but it is not an indication of food safety. In fact, only one item in the supermarket is federally mandated to carry a date, and that's infant formula.
2: Wow. Well, and there's another quote on your website that really struck me as well. It it was a quote from you. You said, we don't have a food shortage problem. We have a food distribution problem. Explain what you mean by that.
3: There's plenty of food to go around. And we pick it up every day and are constantly amazed at not only the quantity, but the quality of the food we receive. So we call on retailers, manufacturers, distributors, And others who have surplus food that is either unsold or unserved. And they rely on us to distribute it to the people in need at over 90 different local charity sites.
2: So before you actually founded Second Servings, you said you did a lot of research. And I'm right there with you, girl. Google is your friend. (laughs) But you looked up food rescue organizations in big cities all over the country And you took some of their best practices, uh, one from here, one from there, and you put it all together to formulate how you operated and your vision for Second Servings of Houston. Give us some examples.
3: Great. Um, It was very important to look across the spectrum. There are food rescue organizations that are doing food rescue in very different ways. So one immediate idea was to have refrigerated vans because our weather is hot most of the year. And that is the safest way to distribute food. The other uh, is that I pay my drivers. They're all part-time food rescue drivers who are so dedicated to our cause and they're the face of our organization. Other organizations use volunteers. However, I felt that it was 100% reliability that would determine our success. And that has been the case. We have wonderful drivers, and we even have a backup driver in our office in case uh, he is needed to um, back up our regular drivers.
2: Well, let's discuss the scale of your operation at Second Servings of Houston, because uh, we're happy to hear that it's grown considerably since we last had you as a guest on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. How has your organization grown over the last couple of years?
3: We have grown very quickly and uh, we are now up to four refrigerated vans that make daily runs to our over 400 food donors. So we have a network of donors that range from small to very large, where we can pick up an entire van load. And we have gone farther outside of the Beltway, if warranted for full truckload quantities. So we are continuing to grow, and we are uh, looking forward to uh, another big year next year.
2: So now to understand the logistics of what you actually do at Second Servings of Houston, you go to these food providers, whoever they might be, you pick up the leftover or excess food, and then you deliver it to charitable organizations that feed the homeless or various other groups. Am I getting that right?
3: Yes. And we're different from a food bank in the sense that we don't store the food. We pick it up and deliver it the same day, so that it maximizes the food's freshness and minimizes our costs. And we are working with now over 90 charity sites to supply them with incredible food.
2: So how many food service providers do you work with? Give us some examples of names we'd recognize.
3: We work with over 400 food donors, including several Kroger stores, Target stores, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods. Antone's Sandwich Commissary, Oak Farms Dairy, um, Snap Kitchen. We have a whole host of others who we rescue from uh, on occasion, like Imperfect Foods, as well as hotels and businesses that have surplus unsold food. And how many
2: food charities do you think you work with? Again, give us some names we'd recognize.
3: We work with so many. We work with uh, soup kitchens such as The Beacon, Martha's Kitchen and Loaves and Fishes. We also work with residential recovery centers such as ReCenter and Project Hope. We work with low-income housing such as New Hope Housing's properties. We work with a myriad of agencies and right now, a number over 90 we started with one and now we've built that network to over 90 and we have more on our waiting list
2: well we've run out of time in this first segment but i want to give you multiple chances to tell us how our listeners can donate to second servings of houston so tell us how to do that
3: There are several ways. On our website is an opportunity to donate in two different ways. We have a holiday campaign that uh, will help people during the holidays and help us continue feeding people throughout the year with our surplus food. We uh, also have a program called uh, Dinners on Us, which you can read about online, where we are actually preparing uh, we are having meals prepared for us by the chefs at Test Corporation the energy company to provide chef prepared meals to people in need throughout the year and we've already done 28 drive-through food distributions where we've included the chef prepared dinners for our community.
2: COVID has undoubtedly had a big impact on food insecurity in Houston, so we want to talk about that in the next segment. Can you stick around for a few minutes, Barbara?
3: Absolutely.
0: Stay patient. Dinner will be ready right after the smoke alarm goes off. Randy will be right back with more smoke and hot tips for you and your old plane right after this short break.
2: Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top of the line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pithouse. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's, conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas, but they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door, with a wide variety Variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po' boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Hi friends, Randy Hames to tell you about Cellular and Satellite. Cellular and Satellite are specialists in wireless data plans for businesses. Because they buy in large quantities, Cellular and Satellite can give you a data plan on the same provider you're using today, but at a lower cost. Cellular and Satellite can also combine the two largest wireless providers into a single data plan. Two carriers with better coverage, but only one invoice to pay. If your workforce is international, Cellular and Satellite offers a global data sim with fixed pricing in over 200 countries. You'll never have to pay international roaming charges again with Cellular and Satellite. And they can handle all your wireless data needs whether you need 10 or 10,000 data sims. So if you're an IT professional, mobility manager, or business owner, save money and increase your network availability by letting Cellular and Satellite simplify your wireless life. Call Cellular and Satellite today. 325511000 or go to cellularandsatellite.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison wild hog exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit Belleville or call 979-865-5782.
0: Stand back, we've got our grill on. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dike. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Haynes.
2: We're visiting with a dear friend of the show, Barbara Bronstein of Second Servings of Houston on the show today. Second Servings is a food rescue organization. They work directly with food service providers like restaurateurs, uh, caterers and the like, and they pick up the excess food at the end of the business day and then deliver it directly to the food charities all over Houston to feed the homeless and other people who suffer from food insecurity. Thanks for sticking around with us, Barbara. Uh, They might not be homeless, but they could be foodless. Isn't that
3: right? Absolutely. There is so much need right now. Before COVID, the food insecurity rate among adults was 16%. Among children, 25%. It's possibly even double that level now based on a USDA study that showed that the rates had doubled across the country. Wow.
2: You know, I worked with Sister Rosemary and Chef Billy over at Loaves and Fishes for many, many years. Uh, And I can testify those people don't waste a single bite of that food that's donated to them. So I know firsthand how much they look forward to seeing the second-servings trucks pull up to their delivery doors. Do you have any stories?
3: We've had some unusual pickups. Um, We actually even picked up pet food, gourmet pet food, When, but we knew exactly where to bring it. The Interfaith Ministries Meals on Wheels program has a program called Annie Meals, and they were thrilled to get it. We pick up truckloads of fresh vegetables that always amaze us, and that's really the food that the charities value so highly. We also get some unusual foods we have gotten a truckload of gummy bears (laughs) um, and that was a delight for the places that have children living at them but all in all it's great quality food that people who are living in food deserts don't have access to easily and we deliver it for free we never charge for our services
2: Well, it's really encouraging to hear that Second Servings has grown so much over the last couple of years. But the wild card in all this is the pandemic. COVID and the shutdowns have created lots of unemployment and, by extension, even more food insecurity in our city. So I imagine that many of the places like Loaves and Fishes have seen an increase in demand. Am I right?
3: Yes, all of our charities have an increase in demand.
2: And so there's a greater demand for the service you provide as well.
3: Fortunately, we've been able to add some new charities to our network when some of our established charities were forced to go virtual. So we've been able to reach new people. We've also reached new people through new alliances that we've created. When COVID struck, there was so much food that was in the pipeline because the food supply chain was so severely disrupted. And we had to think creatively, how do we access as much as we can with our, uh, uh, mini fleet. So we turned to Acme party and tent rental company because their trucks and drivers were idle there. There weren't any events happening. We also, um, turned to, um, precinct two's idle parks and recreations truck that, um, precinct 2 was able to pick up 24,000 apples and pears from a school lunch provider with no place to send it. Wow. And so um, uh, Precinct 2 was able to set up pop up distributions at community centers with the food that we were um, dispatching them to get, and it reached a whole new audience for us as well. So it has required a lot of flexibility creativity and resourcefulness to a- access as much as we can as much as we can all the time from the covid food disruptions
2: yeah by comparison a lot of the restaurants uh, a lot of the banquet halls, a lot of the galas uh, for which caterers produce large amounts of food. All of those things have been canceled or closed. And and that impacts your sources for the surplus food to pick up and deliver to these charity concerns. Talk about those dynamics for a few moments.
3: To a certain degree. But um, most people think that second servings must uh, rescue from restaurants primarily. Actually, in 2019, restaurants accounted for less than 1% of our volume. Wow. This year, it will be more because we've unfortunately had to close out restaurants and hotels that have perishable food that would otherwise go to waste when they are either shutting down temporarily or permanently. It's been very sad. And that was one of the influences uh, we had on creating a program to address food insecurity with Uh, chef-prepared meals.
2: But we should emphasize once again that food insecurity is not just about feeding the homeless. There are lots of other groups that need help with food insecurity. Give us a list of some of the other groups.
3: Well, uh, some of the other groups are um, uh, residential programs that have uh, adults in uh, alcohol and drug abuse recovery, Uh, Some of the others are um, uh, developmentally challenged adults, disabled homeless seniors, abused women and children in confidential shelters, youth at risk, uh, homeless um, families who are sheltered in emergency shelters. So there are a lot of people um, who need the help. We also are expanding our reach to low-income housing Because many of those people are in need because they've lost jobs due to COVID and the oil industry collapse. And we want to reach them. They may not be the traditional uh, food pantry shopper, but they are certainly in need right now uh, as an unusual circumstance of uh, the COVID situation.
2: Plus, food waste actually contributes to climate change. I saw that on your website. Explain. Explain the
3: largest element in the landfill at 21 percent is food waste when food decomposes in the landfill it emits potent greenhouse gas which is a major contributor to climate change so if we can keep more food out of the landfill our environment can stay cleaner and we all win
2: the holidays are a time for us to be thankful to god for all the blessings that he's given us and lots of our listeners want to dedicate either some time or, or maybe some food or even money to a worthy charity this time of year. So tell us how Second Servings of Houston can be of benefit.
3: We would love to have support from the community. This year we've been blessed with a lot of people who uh, found out about us and are helping us to operate. I am a volunteer volunteer. So there's no big executive salary here, but we do have expenses of uh, fuel for our vans. We pay our drivers and we have a small staff that handles logistics, communications, and recipient relations. So any help that people are interested in providing will go 100% to our operations. They can contribute online. Um, They can read about our COVID response, our Mass Meal Relief Program. That is the largest one in Houston, as well as um, texting 50155 to make a donation.
2: And I even remember you saying something to me one time about how much can be accomplished with the donation of just $1. What was that equation again?
3: Well, we are fortunate to be able to deliver over $60 worth of food for every dollar we spend.
2: That's pretty good return on your dollar, folks. So, for listeners who want to make a charitable donation to help those who are in need this holiday season. Tell us once again, how do we contact you and donate money to Second Servings of Houston?
3: Our website is the best place to go. It's secondservingshouston.org. There's a way to contribute online easily. And there's also an opportunity to mail a check if you prefer that course of action. Our address is there. Our uh, federal um, tax ID number is there. Uh, we are a bona fide nonprofit. So we send receipts or you'll get a receipt online automatically for your records. And we really appreciate any and all support we will put it to good use feeding our community
2: and we appreciate you founding second servings of houston and your continued dedication to the work barbara merry christmas i promise we won't wait so long to have you back okay
3: (laughs) thanks randy i appreciate it
2: life is short grill while you can
0: randy will be right back with more food and fun after this break
2: Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Seely on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Seeley on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media. And my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run, and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself, and you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like never, right? Well at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large. and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 Westlake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big-box stores. The original Allspaugh's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing paint and hardware all under one roof but rick is also an avid backyard chef so the original all Spas hardware and boutique features a complete barbecue pit house, from gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers they've got it all at the original all Spas hardware and boutique they even offer grill maintenance and repair visit their website allspas.com or just drop by and see for yourself the original all Spas hardware and boutique at 2720 west lake houston parkway in kingwood Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke, Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dike Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab and crawfish when in season is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door with a wide Variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop—the name says it all. Two twenty-seven Dyke Road, at the base of the Texas City Dyke.
0: May the forks be with you. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now here's the guy who turns all the grills on, Randy Hames.
2: We're going to visit now with Kip Johnson of First United Methodist Church in Sugarland. Welcome, Kip. Hello. Thank you for uh, visiting
1: with me today.
2: Well, thank you for visiting with us. This is your first appearance on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. So give us a little insight into your background. Where were you born, reared, go to school, things like that?
1: Well, I was born in Wisconsin, in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, but I. Grew up mostly in a little town in Lima, Ohio, and then since I've married, I've moved around a lot. My husband was in the Air Force, so we lived in uh, Tacoma, Washington, and then we moved to Texas when when he got out, and we've been here ever since.
2: Kip bears the unofficial title of volunteer coordinator for the community garden located on the campus of the First United Methodist Church in Sugarland, and she and her husband kind of run the garden. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Actually, he was the lead coordinator for a while until I retired i worked at the church and i was the missions director there and so when i retired a few years ago i joined him in the garden and little by little it seems like i am now the volunteer coordinator
2: (laughs) you just kind of inherited the job did you
1: exactly
2: do you have an agrarian background did you grow up on a farm
1: Well, no, I didn't. Um, I have farmers in my uh, uh, history, you know, uh, grandpa and uncles and all. But no, um, I didn't. My mother gardened in the backyard when I was growing up. But I just learned to love it when we moved to Sugarland. 40-some-odd years ago, we put a garden in our backyard, and we learned as we went along.
2: So how long has the church maintained this garden?
1: The garden was started in 1989. It was actually an eagle project. One of our eagle scouts in the congregation needed a project, and so he put in a couple of beds, and that's when it started. So it's been 28 years now, going into 29 years that that garden's been working.
2: How big is the garden?
1: We have 10 raised beds that are each 40 by 4, and then a number of fruit trees.
2: Wait, I was told there'd be no math. I don't have to do any multiplication here.
1: (laughs) I I? know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So how much produce do you think you grow each year in the community
1: garden? This year? In fact, I just tallied it up so that I would have a number for you. We're just under 2,500 pounds this year. Wow. Some years it's more, some years it's less. And, of course, we've had some weather issues this year that affected our total.
2: How many church members do you have helping you to work in the garden?
1: We have um, eight, nine. We have nine regular volunteers And uh, they're mostly from the church, but we do have people from the community who come from time to time and help. So that's our main core group. And then from time to time when we have special work days, we might have 20 or 30 people out there on a day trying to catch up on things.
2: Is the garden staffed entirely by volunteers, or do you have some paid workers as well?
1: We're all volunteers.
2: And what exactly do you do?
1: (laughs) Well... Well, of course, we plant, and we pick, and we pull weeds constantly. Well, we don't really fertilize. We do everything organically, so we compost. And um, today, when we went to the garden, we shredded leaves and put them in our compost bins, and we picked turnips, and we picked cabbage, and uh, we pulled some weeds and planted some radishes. And so it's always different jobs but we stay pretty busy year-round.
2: Well, that was another question. Uh, do you plant and grow crops year-round, or is it only in the summertime?
1: It is year-round, and that is one of the pleasures of living in a climate where year-round gardening is a possibility. We always have something growing.
2: So give us some examples of hot-weather crops and cold-weather cro- crops, or colder-weather crops, <laughs> Colder-weather. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we don't have cold like um, up north, but... Um, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> we grow in the summertime, probably our main crops would be tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and... Um, those are probably the main ones. We try, because of where our produce goes, we try to plant things that are commonly used. Green beans, of course, and then winter time or fall, late fall and winter, we have cabbage and broccoli and onions, and we just uh, harvested a bunch of sweet potatoes. We just try to plant the things that are appropriate for the season.
2: So, speaking of harvest, how often do you harvest and how do you preserve the freshness of the harvest?
1: We harvest two days a week. We work, our, our main work days are Tuesday and Thursday, and that is because the place where we take our produce is open and distributing food on those days. When we have to pick on other days, we have a shed in our garden with a refrigerator that we can keep things in. But our goal is to get them directly from the garden to the food pantry so that it can be delivered that same day.
2: And do you have one specific food pantry that you donate these items to?
1: Yes, we do. It's the East Fort Bend Human Needs Ministry in Stafford. Our church is a member of that Coalition. It's a coalition of churches, and our church is one of the founding members of that organization. So we give everything that we grow to that food pantry.
2: I believe my church is also a member of that. I go to Sugarland Baptist up on the freeway. Yes, you are. Today's edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show is centered on giving back, because it's that time of year when we think about those things. And just imagine what huge crop yields we could generate if 100 churches around Houston installed this same community garden idea with the same size as the First United Methodist Church has. Again, I'm not good at math, but the possibilities are mind-boggling. Have you had any inquiries from other churches?
1: We do occasionally have people who are interested. Of course, there are a number of other community gardens already operating in our area and in in the Houston area of different kinds. Some of them are donation gardens like ours, and some are the kinds of gardens where people can rent a space and grow their own produce and learn how to be gardeners, which is another wonderful concept.
2: So let's talk about that for just a minute. What would churches need to do, or any other organization that wanted to do this, in order to start such a garden on their own campus? Obviously, the first and foremost element is a plot of land, right?
1: Correct. A nice plot of land. It doesn't have to be too big to start with. We started out with two beds uh, 28 years ago. And um, I think in the Houston area, growing them in raised beds is the best idea. So you need some good soil to start with, and it gets better as you go. As you compost and grow things in it, it it gets better every year. And some willing volunteers.
2: What about irrigation? Irrigation would be extremely helpful here. And there are probably lots of members of your church who actually do that for a living. So that part of the process could probably be performed by volunteers too?
1: It certainly could. For many years, we didn't have... um, like underground irrigation or anything. We just had hoses and we watered the plants. Now we have a little better system going on, but you don't have to start with everything. Once people see what's going on and get involved in it, they get excited and offer their help and their expertise and their physical help.
2: Have you formed any partnerships with like, local nurseries for seed or young plants or fertilizer?
1: We don't have any business relationships. We do have a connection with the Sugar Creek Garden Club, who supports us financially. And then we are also affiliated with Urban Harvest, which provides expertise on what to do if we need help. They also list us on their website so we can get volunteers from there, and they also um, provide us with plants and seeds from time to time.
2: How could interested organizations get in touch with you, Kip, for more detailed advice on how to get started?
1: They could call me um, on my cell phone, which is 281-723-5634.
2: And what about a website? Do you guys have a website?
1: The church website is um sugarlandmethodist.com. Org and there is a small write-up about the garden in there.
2: This has been Kip Johnson. She's the unofficial volunteer coordinator for the Community Garden at the First United Methodist Church in Sugarland. They donate all of the vegetables they grow to the East Fort Bend Human Needs Ministry. Kip, thanks for your time. Thanks for giving back this holiday season. And thanks for your dedication to doing the Lord's work.
1: Thank you so
0: much. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Send us your burning questions and favorite recipes in a private message on our Facebook page, The Outdoor Cooking Show, or visit our website, theoutdoorcookingshow.com. Join us next week for more tasty food and fun over a red-hot grill on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. How's about cooking something